you're standing, would you remain standing? And if you're not standing, would you please stand? We're going to do our declaration of faith this morning. Let's do this together. Lord, today by faith, we declare that we are walking in the manifestation season. As your faithful remnant, we will house your very presence. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And he has delivered us from all our troubles and fears. We are no longer victims, but we are victors in Christ. We will not be deceived by the lies of the enemy, but we will give health, healing, and wholeness to the hopeless and those in despair. We will live under your anointing and see the revealed purpose of Christ in each of our lives. We declare your everlasting word on earth as it is in heaven. Yes. I'm going to be reading pastor's text for him this morning. So if you'll remain standing for the reading of the word, we're going to be in Revelations chapter 2. Verses 18 through 29, Revelations 2, 18 through 29. I'll give you just a moment to turn there. And the word of the Lord says this, starting in verse 18. And unto the angel of the church in Thyatira, write these things, saith the Son of God, who hath his eye like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. I know thy works and charity and service and faith and thy patience and thy works and the last to be more than the first. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I give her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into a great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am, I am he which searcheth the reins and hearts. And I will give unto every one of you according to your works. But unto you I say, and unto the rest of Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, and which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden, but that which ye have already hold fast till I come. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him I will give power over the nations, and he shall rule them with a the rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my father, and I will give him the morning star. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. Let us pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, God, I speak freedom in this place to preach the word of God, which you've put on our pastor, God. I pray we be not just hearers, but doers. I speak liberty. I speak boldness today in Jesus' name. Anoint our pastor this morning to bring this word and let us hear this word and do this word in your name, King Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. I want you to be praying for us. Me and my wife have not had much sleep in the last several days. The Miller family and the Lawson family have a new arrival. Ashley and uh, Sam has had their young boy, uh, Whitaker Matthew Miller. We are so excited. Can you give the Lord praise? Amen. She went in on Thursday night and at four almost 4 o'clock, uh, 3 something in the afternoon on Friday, she had a Eight-pound, four-ounce bouncing little boy. He had a little complications. We flew him to Cape on Friday night, and they've been over there ever since. We just got word this morning. We left over there late last night, got home, and um, we just got word from Samuel that, again, we've been waiting on some series of tests. Every test that they have taken have been found okay. Everything's normal. We thank the Lord for that. It's been a miracle. We thank you for your prayers. Uh, I won't go into all of the details, but we had a severe, serious, serious problem on our hands, and we just put it out to the prayer warriors. People got to praying, and the little child never had another problem since. Uh, I thank God for the manifestation of the power of healing. 
And in speaking of the manifestation of power of healing, I would like if Greg Calhoun would stand up, please. Where you at, Greg? He gave me a call and he said, you want to talk about manifestation? No cancer. <laughs> praise them to their feet and give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. Give our God praise. He's the one that's done it. We rejoice with you, Greg. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, um, honestly and truthfully, we're just seeing more and more of the manifestations of the presence of God beginning to work. We're also believing uh, that everybody else that was fighting cancer that we've been praying for, they're going to get the same full result when they say absolutely nothing is there. We're believing that. And I believe that God is going to give us overcoming power for every single one of them that we've been praying for, for uh, 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 all of the cancer victims within our church. Uh, Zach read our text to us. I want you to be praying with me. I'm not as sharp and keen this morning. I'm a little sluggish, to be honest with you. My mind ain't quite working. I don't know if I'm seeing quite right. Sometimes I look out there, and you look like there's two or three of you. So I don't know. Um, it's you know I just love man don't you just love those queen and king size beds that they put in those waiting rooms in them hospitals Woo, hallelujah I tell you that is not I'm getting older and um, as small as I am you know um, they don't cater to me very well but uh, anyway we were surviving we're, we're up and we're walking Praise the Lord. I can't believe it, but here we are at the end of our series on the seven women or what we will call uh, the, with those seven women which represent six spirits that is unleashed upon the church in the last days to stop her from going into her manifestation season. And I would just like to stop right here and say the enemy is trying, but he has not stopped the palace of praise from going in to her manifestation season. Can you give the Lord praise? Two miracles just here just recently. As we have said in times past, these are not the only spirits that is combating the church, but they are the major spirits of the last days that's being manifested right before the closing of the dispensation of the church. These spirits are out to work in opposition against the church to try to stop it from manifesting the kingdom of God upon the earth. The whole plan and the whole purpose of the church is to exhibit and to manifest the will of God in heaven on the earth. That's your and I's job. This is the call. It's the mandate. It's the duty. It's the commission of the church of Jesus Christ. We are to be his representatives, we are to be his ambassadors and we have been appointed by him for the special assignment to make known his kingdom in heaven here on earth. We are to be the literal living vibrant body of the Lord Jesus Christ which is called the church which is every born again believer. If you're a born again believer, you're a part of the church of Jesus Christ. Our theme for this year is presence and, uh, and just as a quick reminder as I said last week and that is all too often we think of presence in the sense of God coming down and giving us goosebumps and making us feel God and, and we have all of these kinds of blessings. But the last day church is going to be more of the blesser than they are going to be receiving the blessing. There's a big difference. Remember that God promises in the book of Acts chapter 15, we got into a little bit of it last week, starting with verse 13 through 18, that he would again build the tabernacle of David which had been fallen. And he would set it up so that the residue of men and it says, might seek after the Lord and all of the Gentiles, he tells us where this is happening, all of the Gentiles in whom he has called by name. This means that we, the Gentile church, we will have a last day visitation of his spirit that will not only cause us to seek the Lord, but he will also empower us and use us and cause men to seek after the Lord as a result of the anointed ministry that he's placed on each and every one of us. This promise is to the residue he calls it a residue, which means a small amount of something that remains after the main part has gone or been taken out of the way. A substance that remains after a process. Something that is gone or been taken or used. So what is that saying? This means those that have remained faithful and committed after 2,000 years of persecution, trial, and test and suffering during the church age, God in the last days, those of them are left, the residue, he's going to raise up an end time gathering of anointed priests and anointed ambassadors for the call and the commission of Jesus Christ to reveal his kingdom in heaven upon the earth. That means watch out. There's going to be some Holy 
Ghost explosions take place at the end time by the church of Jesus Christ. The end time Gentiles, the residue, the remnant of God is going to come alive before the second return of Jesus Christ. If you believe that, stand to your feet and give God praise. Give him praise as loud as you can. Let me say this is with all the heart and the passion that I can because I don't want us to get a, a false impression of what we mean by presence. Presence isn't just about us as a church feeling and experiencing the presence of God. If that's all this is, God's not an entertainer. But it's more about the center of the world, the law, seeing the manifested presence of God working in us and through us and upon us as his church in the last days. Signs, wonders, and miracles are going to be coming back to the church. You believe that? It's already happening. It's happened here in my grandson. My grandson had lost his breath, turned blue, was dead, and they brought him to life, and they put him in an ambulance and took him to Cape, and he never had another spell after the church began to pray. Give God another praise for that. These signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall, they shall cast out in my name. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Acts Hebrews 2 and 4, God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and divers, miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. They're returning back to the church. But these seven women or six spirits have more on their hands than what they can ever imagine because just like in the days of Elijah, God has a small remnant of people that have not and will not bow their knee to Baal. And he's going to raise that body up to combat these six major spirits of the last days. It isn't a maybe, it's not a might, it's not a possibility or it's not well they could in the last days but there's a prophetic promise hanging over us that says by the spirit that we shall and we will rise up in the marvelous light of Jesus Christ and cause all men to come and to seek after the Lord. There's going to be a revival and people are going to be saved. I give God praise for that. And even as the tent was mobile the tent of uh, David, we know that God is with us and wherever we go, God is with us. God has a plan for these last days to counteract those spirits that's in opposition to us. He will not leave us powerless. There's nothing for us to fear. He's going to pour his spirit out upon us and empower us to overthrow these forces of evil that we've been preaching about that's going to be unleashed against us in the last days. Let's look at our last lady. How many's enjoyed this series? Let's look at this last lady. Remember the description that I gave of this lady within the dream. Matter of fact, this last lady was so strong, so enticing, that just her presence was like being put under a spell. Her presence was so intoxicating, it was like you were under the influence of a drug. Just as a drunk loses control of all of his faculties or his behavior due to his intoxication, even so it seemed as I stood before her, before her that I was going to lose control over my body by just being in her presence. She was authoritative, she was seductive, she, and you literally trembled within her presence. She was intimidating, and there was a sense of bewilderness driven by fear that overtook you as you encountered her. She was mean, she was cruel, but yet confident, persuasive, and very, very seductive. Her goal was to persuade you to believe what she believed and embraced what she embraced. And if you rejected her, then you would face the wrath of her. This was all in the dream that we talked about in that first week. She was used to getting what she wanted, when she wanted it, how she wanted it, and you dare not to cross her. If she wanted something, you didn't. You just you you just gave in to her. And when she did not get what she wanted in the dream, she threw things. She had temper tantrums. She cursed. She swore, and all war would break out. The seventh lady is no other than the lady that is revealed in our text by the name of Jezebel. How many knew that the last lady was going to be Jezebel? Raise your hand. You thought that, didn't you? Our text, of course, is found in the middle of John writing to the seven churches of Asia, and during his writing to these seven churches, only one of them actually found that we found had no rebuke. It is known as the Church of the Philadelphia Church. As a matter of fact, it is known as the Church of the Beloved. But as John begins to write to the Church of Tithara, in our text, he describes the Lord in verse 18. He says, and unto the angel of the church in Tithara write, these things saith the Son of God, who hath 
eyes like a flame of fire and his feet are like fine brass. It is important to note here that the way that God is described or the Lord is described to us in these uh, scriptures to these different churches, it gives indication to that church of what the Lord is actually dealing with them and the concern that he has toward them. The first thing that we see is his eyes are like a flame of fire. He speaks that God sees and that God is aware of what is going on in the church there at Pythara. It is here that God says, hey, I have eyes like a flame of fire. I have discernment. And he lets them know they are not getting by with their defilements. He also is described as his feet are like fine brass, not just brass, but fine brass. Brass in scripture is a sign of judgment and feet is the symbol of mobility. So what he's saying here is in the very beginning of his introduction of the uh, 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 introduction to them as a church, he says, I see what's going on and I am going to be moved to swift judgment upon the church if things are not corrected. And he used the word fine brass. He says, in other words, it's going to be thorough. In other words, this, this this judgment is going to be thorough if you as a church at Tithara are not brought to repentance. Look at what he says about the church in verse 19. I know thy works and thy charity and thy service, thy faith, thy patience, and thy works, and the last to be more than the first. What's that actually saying? It is here that he gives them praise. I want you to know, before he gives them any kind of rebuke, he begins to build them up. Isn't that just like our Heavenly Father? Before he ever corrects them, he edifies them. He correct, his correction is always in love and it's always in compassion. Aren't you thankful for that? He tells them, I see your works, I see your charity, I see your service, I see your faith, I see your patience, and he goes on and on and gives them a list of what he sees and he's bragging on them. He said, I see that you're better now than in the beginning. In other words, I see that there's signs of maturity. You have grown in a lot of areas. But then look at, there's a rebuke. He gives a rebuke immediately after that. And he, that rebuke says, I will be moved to judgment if some of these things I'm about to reveal is not corrected. Isn't it odd that we can be full of all of these wonderful works of love and faith and all of them kinds of things, and yet he still has something against us, and if we don't correct it, then he'll swiftly be brought to judgment. And that's what he's saying here. Here's a church. It's giving. It's serving. It's working. It's demonstrating faith. It's being patient. But then he says this. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and subdue my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. In other words, it is apparent that there was a woman in the church here at Tithara that would, has adopted the lifestyle of Jezebel in the Old Testament. We all know that Jezebel lived a thousand years before John ever even wrote to the church of Tithara. Jezebel lived in the ninth century but John did not write to the church at Tithara until 96 AD. However, it is here that we see that the spirit of Jezebel is very much well and alive in 96 AD. It's alive. And though Jezebel is dead, yet the spirit that drove her and that was in her was not only alive in 96 AD, but let me tell you, she's still very much alive today. Come, can I have an amen with you? The same spirit that Israel faced in Jezebel in the ninth century is the same spirit that Tithara faced in the first century, and it is the same spirit that you and I are facing right here in the 21st century. You and I are going to face one of the most mean, crucial, uh, spirited, demonic force that you and I have ever faced in the last days through the spirit that we call Jezebel. This woman in Tithyra that was there, her name was not Jezebel, but she was called a false prophetess by the Lord, but she called herself a true prophetess. It would be through her teaching that she would seduce the servants of the Lord to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificing to idols. It was God himself that comes down and calls her Jezebel, giving them a visual picture of just how vile and how serious this woman was that was amongst them. It's odd how that we can read about the vileness of Jezebel in the ninth century in the Old Testament, but we cannot detect it when it's manifested during the present time. I'm sure that Tithara never looked or seen this woman as a Jezebel, a modern day Jezebel in their church. 
I'm sure that she did not appear to be that bad, really. And to call her a Jezebel would be a strong choice of words. It would be a horrible rebuke. And one better know what they're saying when they're saying when they call somebody a Jezebel. Can I have an amen? And God spoke to me and he said, even as Tithara was clueless of the spirit of Jezebel amongst them, even so my church is clueless of the spirit of Jezebel, the modern day spirit of Jezebel right here in this 21st century. That as Tithara was clueless of this spirit of Jezebel working through this woman, a lot of times, if we're not discerning correctly, we will not recognize the modern day Jezebel that is among us. Most of us do not recognize the Jezebels that is operating in the 21st century. Notice the true nature of the rebuke in verse 20. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel. I'm gonna show off my manly figure today. It's hot up here, praise the Lord. Y'all brought the glory down, can I have an amen? Give the choir a praise this morning. Her rebuke to them was, thou sufferest that woman Jezebel. This means that they tolerated her. The implication here is that the church in general, as a whole church, did not accept her teachings, nor did they adopt to her lifestyle, but neither did they rebuke her. We see a church not caving into her, but we also see that it did not stand up against her. Here is a church that wanted to remain neutral and not stir up conflict. Here was a church intimidated and afraid to make a stand against the spirit of Jezebel. Here we have a church that has lost the concept of spiritual warfare. We have a church of compromise. We have to realize not to take a stand against her was the same as accepting her. Are you ready? Not to stand up for the Lord is the same as rejecting the Lord. Tithara wanted to straddle the fence like that of Pilate. You remember Pilate? He stands up and he says, I find no fault in this just man. Yet even though that he found no fault in him, yet he also had the power to free Christ, but he didn't do it. Tithara did not want to muddy the waters. They just wanted to work, serve, give, love, be patient, and just tolerate this woman that came in and didn't want to bring church discipline. Let's just love one another. Let's just all get along. That is the spirit of our age today. Come on. Even though the church in general did not accept her teachings, yet it mentions in verse 22 of her lovers, those that committed adultery with her, and in verse 23 it talks about her children. So this means that there were those in the community and some in the church that did form into her teachings and they formed a group within the church and the church as a whole was content just to have them there. They liked the numbers. They were more, they were more concerned about the gathering of how many people uh, they could get in the church. They were more concerned about the crowds than they were the standard of holiness. Does that sound familiar? And this is the true picture of Jezebel in the last days. Her goal, her plan, her scheme is to get the church to accept her beliefs, her philosophies, and her teachings, whether they believe them or not just to get them to tolerate her. That's what she's out to do at first. You don't have to embrace her teachings as long as you don't talk or take a stand against them. It, it is to get the church to cow down and to surrender their sacredness and their holiness at the expense of her defilement. That's what is trying to happen. And this is exactly what the spirit of Jezebel is trying to do to the church today. And yet I hear Paul writing in 1 Corinthians, what, have, what agreement does light have with darkness? What agreement does God, the spirit of God, have to do with Baal? Can I tell you that we have a sacred responsibility as a church to keep a standard of holiness in the church? How many still believes in holiness as God's standard of living for his people? Without holiness, no man shall see God. If she can't kill the church, then she wants to silence the church by how? By joining it, defiling it, and polluting it. Amen? To where the favor of God's lifted, to where the manifestation is lifted. God can't bless when there's prostitution in a spiritual sense and even in a natural sense taking place in the body of Christ. Can I have an Amen? It's not good enough for us just to love, serve, sing, give our tithe and offering to the Lord, but we have to stand up for the Lord. 
We have to stand up, get up, speak up with a loud voice and proclaim the word of God. We have to denounce the spirit of Jezebel. We have to work in opposition of her. This means that we have to stand against her beliefs, her practices, her ideology, her theology, and her teachings. We have to see the true spirit of Jezebel, and we have to literally rebuke that spirit and not allow it to attach to any place in our lives. This week, I'll be honest with you, it's been a hard week. Everything that could go wrong has went wrong. My body... Uh, my grandson and it, some of the things in the church I've been dealing with and everything's piled on at once. And all of a sudden, somebody called me and said, the Lord wanted me to just tell you that you're, gonna, you're fixing to go under an attack because you're standing up this week to the spirit of Jezebel and she's angry and she's going to attack you. My wife out of nowhere said, this is a spiritual thing, Kent Miller. This, they can't find out what's wrong with this. this. is a spiritual thing. We're being attacked, and we went into prayer and supplication, and we went into intercessory, and I began to rebuke everything that there was about the spirit of Jezebel. And can I tell you, the spirit of Jezebel has lost. <laughs> Hallelujah. We come to the true Jezebel in 1 Kings 16 when she's brought to the northern kingdom of Israel to wed the newly crowned king Ahab, the king of Israel. Jezebel's father, who was Ethbel of Tyre, he was the king of the Phoenicians, who was a group of Semites whose ancestors were Canaanites. And the Phoenicians worshipped a swarm of gods and goddesses, of course, but the chief among them, of course, was Baal. Baal was the god of fertility and the agriculture god of the Canaanites. Ethbel, Jezebel's father, was a high priest of Baal and also served as a priest of Ashtoreth, who was the primary Phoenician goddess. And Jezebel herself served as a priestess and worshiped and honored the deities of her native land. And when Jezebel comes to Israel, she brings with her her foreign gods and her goddesses especially Baal and his goddess, Ashereth, Ashereth. This seems to have an immediate effect upon her newfound husband who was the king of Israel. As soon as the queen is introduced, we are told that Ahab builds a sanctuary for Baal in the very heart of Israel within the capital city of Samaria. Listen to what it says in 1 Kings 16, verse 31 and through 33. Ahab took his wife Jezebel, the, da the daughter of King Ethbel of the Phoenicians. And he went and served Baal and worshiped him. Did you hear that? That's what King Ahab's doing. He erected an altar to Baal in the temple of Baal, which he built in Samaria. This is what the king of Israel done upon the arrival of her, of her wife. One commentator said it was for a, 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 a present or a surprise for her. Jezebel does not only reject Ahab's God, Yahweh, but she leads Ahab to literally tolerate Baal. Jezebel's goal was not only to get Ahab and the people to believe in worship and the belief in more than one God, but Jezebel's first primary desire is confined not only to making her religion to be tolerated by Israel, but for Israel to at least give equal status to her religion. In other words, she wanted her gods to be treated with equal status as the God of Israel. Isn't that what we hear in our culture today? That's all we hear. Equality, equality, equality. Everybody's screaming out for equality now. Gay and lesbians crying out for equality, wanting the same rights in matrimony and same-sex marriages, and they got it. We have women crying out equality through the feminist groups all across America. We have polygamous groups crying out for equality right now. They're fighting in America all over the place that they can have at least more than one wife or more than one husband. We have pedophiles crying out for equality, wanting the rights to have sex with children and to marry children. Can you imagine? We have people suing the government because they have given rights over to the homosexuals, but they won't give them rights as pedophiles to have sex with children and marry children if the children want it. What did, that, what did the prophecy say a long time ago? When you open this bridge up to equal rights to lesbians and homosexuality, you're opening up things that we can't even imagine. Can I have an amen? The list goes on. There are some, somewhere 450 uh, different groups now in different states suing for equal rights uh, different interest groups, they're wanting their equal rights under law. 
And this is what happens when you have no godly order. The problem is there's none like unto our God. How many know that? He is matchless, marvelous, he's magnificent, he's beautiful, he's holy, he's awesome, he's powerful, he's mighty, he's glorious, he's unshakable, unmovable, undefeatable, undeniable, he's boundful, he's eternal, he's everlasting, he's all-powerful, he's all-present, he's all-knowing, he's the beginning and the end, he's the first and the last, he's the alpha and the omega, he's creator, he's master, he's sovereign Lord, he's king of kings, he's ruler of the universe, he is God. He is God and God alone, there's none like unto him, there is no one or anything that can Never be equal with God. But nor will there ever be anything equal to the order, his, the order of God and his principles and his standard and his teachings. When one, is, when one is out of divine order, there's chaos, there's confusion, there's disaster, there's destruction. And no matter how this world's trying to change the divine order to make things so-called better, equal, equal under equality, they're doing it to their own demise. Can I have an amen? Jezebel has a plan. She has a scheme, a plot. And that is to take Israel from tolerating other gods to eliminating Israel's faithful servants of God and to wipe out, wipe out Yahweh's worship in Israel altogether. That's her go. She has a twofold plan. She first of all wants to come into church and mix and mingle. I accept you, you accept me. That's her go. And then as she gets in, then her go is to move and advance to the second stage, which is to literally take over. A dominating spirit to take over the church. She's ruthless, she's mean, she's harsh, and to stand against her is to create war. After marriage to Ahab, it would be Jezebel who would emerge as the power behind the throne. She becomes the queen of religion due to a hempacked husband and a coward of a man. She's the worst of all of the other six spirits or five spirits that we've been preaching about. And matter of fact, when you study the five other spirits, you will see a little bit of Jezebel in every single one of them. Even though Baal and his goddess Asherah was her primary God that she actually worshiped, yet she was open to and supported any kind of worship of any kind of God as long as it was not a worship directed to the true God of Yahweh. She was the queen of spirits and all the other spirits gave allegiance to her. She was the dominant reckoning force of all the spirits, you might say. She is all of those spirits put together. And there are many things about Baal worship, but there are three primary distinctives group of, that it says, says this is our chief importance. These three dominant primary distinctions was the very root of who Jezebel was. I will just mention them and just move through them real fast because of time. But the three primary distinctions of Baal worship is child sacrifice, number one, number two, sexual immorality, and number three, witchcraft and idolatry. First of all, there's child sacrifice. In the Old Testament, when Canaanite kings were building a city or rebuilding a city in itself, remodeling it, they would sacrifice their own children to Baal. Can you imagine that? These sacrifices were called what they called foundational sacrifices. They would have the child burnt, they would sacrifice it, and then they would sacrifice it to the Baal god or the patriot god of Baal over the city. And the bodies of these victims in a lot of times and the ashes of these victims were placed under the foundations or in the walls of the structures for dedication. Sometimes they would take the child and they would, instead of burn it, they would cut it into a lot of different pieces and they would take the body of that child and put it in the walls and put it in the foundation. And that was a dedication of that, of that dwelling to God of Baal. Can you imagine? There were other rituals of child sacrifice for different kinds of purposes, all kinds of them. We don't have time to go through them all. They're listed throughout Scripture. You can find them. But these children were driven into fire. They were tortured. They were buried alive. They were torn apart. They were cut to pieces. They were, they were burnt. There was every imaginable way to sacrifice these children. They'd done it. In certain places, there were people that literally bought children for sacrificial purposes. They used other people's children for sacrifice unless there was famine, war, or something serious, and then they thought they had to sacrifice their own so they could appease their God of Baal. They had to give him their best. So they had, when something was real heavy, 
They went and had to sacrifice their own children. When it was light, they'd go buy somebody's children, give them money for their child, and they would turn around and then sacrifice that child to their God. Some of you say, how in the world could a society or a people get to that point? How many thinks that's ludicrous? Do I got a holy church here today? How many thinks this is crazy, demonic? How many believe it's demonic? Raise your hand. Of course you do. You think it's demonic? Raise your hand. If you think it's demonic, I want to see your hand. So everybody's saying you believe that's demonic activity, right? Then how, why is that many of us do not recognize the modern day Jezebel today through abortion? How many believes abortion is demonic? Praise God. It's not a choice, it's demonic. It's a demon. It's the spirit of Jezebel. God, help me right here. Now we have sanctuary cities, sanctuary being a religious term for abortion. Hello? We have politicians writing laws, abortion even after birth. That's not abortion. The child's done born. It's called, it's called what? Murder. Murder. Sacrifice. We have them pulling children out of the wombs and killing them. They have a salt solution, they say, that they put in there that literally burns the child to death until it becomes of nothing, of a ooey substance, and then they can abort the child more easily or more properly. God help us. Do I have to preach any more on that? Do we get it? How many believes that there's a spirit of Jezebel in the land? It's called human sacrifice. It's called abortion. God help us. The second main primary distinction of Baal worship was sexual immorality. The sexual immorality would be instituted in the land due to her false teaching as a prophetess. This would be taught, it would become a belief system. Not only would Jezebel teach this, but she literally created by example. She was a known prostitute and she was an adulteress. She led the sexual immorality by creating an environment where sex acts such as sodomy, animal sex, homosexuality, lesbianism, orgies, and every other form of sensual pleasure could actually be performed. This was encouraged so that the people could tap into their power of freedom that was offered by their false God and it would be an act of worship and praise for him giving them that freedom. As a matter of fact, when Ahab tried to buy Naboth's vineyard, you remember that? And Naboth would not sell it. Ahab comes home. He's pouting. He's crying, whimpering because he went to a man that he wanted his land, his vineyard, and he wouldn't sell. And Jezebel says to him, stand up, be a man. Be the king of Israel, you coward. In other words, do what you have to and what you want to, even though it's against the law. You as the king take authority and power and go steal his vineyard. Nevertheless, she said, I don't know why you won't do what you're supposed to do as the authority of the king. Get out of my way. I'll give you the vineyard. You remember what Jezebel does? She gets what she wants and when she wants it and how she wants it. This wicked, evil, treacherous, wild, powerful, ambitious, ruthless, self-centered queen has Naboth killed. How does she do it? She convinces the people that he has blasphemed against God and he stoned him and the people stoned him to death. First of all, let me tell you what's coming down the pipe before I get any farther. The sexual revolution that's taking place in our land is that if you do not get into it, that it's gonna become a hate crime that's placed upon you that will bring judgment eventually and have you killed. Are you ready? She literally took over the royal authority by writing letters in Ahab's name to condemn Naboth to death. The power of her deception was so strong that it caused people to turn on one another and kill each other. And matter of fact, this trickster queen brought such division in the land Though through her power and her authority and through her scheming and seduction, she divided a nation and the people got so fearful and bowed to her that they portrayed a man by the name of Naboth by killing an innocent man that they knew was an innocent guy. Can you imagine? Do we not see any forms of that today in our land? She's not only a prostitute, but she's a murderer as well. 
And the reason she killed Naboth was to create, get this, a pleasure garden in the vineyard. A vineyard, the place and the making of wine. The garden, the vineyard, was not for its beauty, but was for a playground for sexual activity. Every known sexual act was to be carried out in this garden, which would not only involve Jezebel, but the king of Israel, Ahab, would participate. She'd done it for his pleasure. Can you imagine this? Hello? How many knows that there's all kinds of what we call open marriages today? I just wanted you to know tonight I'm going to go sleep with your best friend. No problem. I'm going out with yours tonight too. Guys, this is real stuff. I knew when I was a young boy of a group of prominent businessmen, farmers, that them and their wives would go to the local bar or lounge and they would meet up with their friends and they would get in a big round table and they would drink and they would laugh and they would party together and when it was time to go home, the women underneath the table would take off a shoe and kick it underneath the table somewhere in a pile and the men would reach down without looking and grab a shoe and ever whose shoe you got, that's whose wife you took home. We're living in a decade when men has lost their morality. Some of this thing is called normal. We have people who are living in adultery, having sex outside of marriages, and thinking that God is okay with it. Come on, somebody help me preach here. Somehow in their mixed up, twisted mind, they do not see that they themselves are under the influence and the power of a Jezebel. Men and women alike. We fail fail to see the modern day Jezebel in our world. Here's something else I want you to say. Am I getting mean here? Just go out and disagree with the same-sex marriage. Disagree with homosexuality. Disagree with lesbianism. And see how mean and how vicious this so-called treat everyone equal will treat you. Amen? They want you to tolerate them, but they sure not want to respect your views and tolerate you. This is the Jezebel spirit of today. Her tolerance is only one way. My way or no way. She's used to getting what she wants when she wants it and how she wants it. And there's no telling her, no. And there's no place of disagreement with her. There's no place of avoiding her. And due to her having Naboth killed Elijah, the prophet comes and prophesies to Ahab about his and her death. He comes, he tells Ahab, this saith the Lord, in the very place where the dogs lapped up Naboth's blood, the dogs will lap up your blood also. In other words, he says, O king, judgment's here. And I want you to know you're going to die. So you see where you spilled neighbor's blood? That's the very place you're going to die. That's the very place your blood's going to be spilled. And then Elijah also confronts Ahab and he prophesies about the death of his wife Jezebel. Later, listen to the prophecy before he goes on. He says, hey, Jezebel, I mean, hey, Hab, your wife's going to die and the dogs are going to devour Jezebel in the field of Jezreel. She's going to die in Jezreel and the dogs are going to eat her. Did you hear that? Later, as the prophecy go out, and it looks like that things are going to happen, Ahab's dead. Jezebel's facing the consequences of her whoredom by the man by the name of Jehu who's going to come and kill her. The Bible says that she painted her eyes. She fixed her hair, and she prepared her face. She fixed herself up like a prostitute in order to try to seduce Jehu to keep him from fulfilling the prophecy of her death. She was trying to seduce him so that she could, what? Join his harem and live. Here this strong, dominant, female, promiscuous harlot queen thought that the power of her seduction was stronger and more powerful than biblical prophecy. She thought she could stop it. She's got everything she's always wanted. 
She's done what she's wanted. She's never faced any consequences. The prophetic promise come out of Elijah. You're going to die. The dogs are going to eat you up. And Jezreel, here comes Jehu to perform the death. And you know what happens? She tries to seduce him. Her seduction is a bitter seduction. Jehu has her killed nevertheless. And do you know what happens? The dogs come and eat her up. Now that she's become queen of Israel, here she is married to Ahab. She's still very much a priestess of Baal in the land. She becomes the queen of Israel, not for love, but for power. Some say she needed Israel so that she would have military uh, protection from the power of the enemies. Some say she, gained, she became his wife so she could gain to the, have access to the Phoetician imports to where they would open up the trade route to give her financial gain to spread her bell worship. Both of them are correct. But the real reason that she married was she married for power, so she'll do almost anything for power, and she married Ahab as a pawn. Jezebel knows that she needed the power of endorsement of a legitimate authority to accomplish her purpose and her plan. I do not have time to bring everything out, but listen to me where we're headed, and I'm going to close here in a minute. Jezebel is not just an individual spirit fighting and opposing you. Most of you will never fight against the spirit of Jezebel by yourself. Just like most of you will never even come encounter with the devil himself in your lifetime. You come encounter with principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness, demons, demonics. Come on. Spirits of affliction, spirits of infirmity, spirits of oppression, spirit, 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 spirits. You come under the heading of his henchmen. Jezebel is just a spirit that is not, is not omnipresent where she can go around and say, oh, I'm going after Mike today. That ain't how she's going to accomplish her task. You know how she's going to accomplish her task? By somehow scheming and manipulating and gaining power to where she will legislate that spirit through many other people who will carry out her wishes and her plan. She has manipulated Ahab so she can become the queen who gives her full access to the throne who can then manipulate a government, a nation to fulfill her desire. So what is she doing in the 21st century? She's manipulating, conniving, deceiving, seducing to gain entrance into cities, regions, governments, mayors, uh, town halls, uh, school boards, uh, President of the United States, Congress, Senate, come on. And she's doing it through, uh, she's gaining influence to the political arena to gain influence and control over our land. And in these last days, we're not just going to fight Jezebel, but we're fighting governments, laws, dignitaries. We're fighting literally those kinds of things who is literally manipulating and controlling us through the spirit of Jezebel. God help me. The spirit of Jezebel seeks to maneuver itself into leadership positions, both in government and in churches, and in order to exert her power. And mainly the spirit of Jezebel is the feminist group that despises and hates the leadership of men, which is God's order. And she uses the power of sexual persuasion over them in order to control them and get what she wants. Now, let me ask you a question. Why is it that when a man sleeps with a woman, has an adulterous affair, does things in a sexual perverted way, as a congressman or senator, the women grapes about it, and the man is literally torn apart? But why is it can political opponents that are female can go out and say, yes, I slept with this and this and this and this and this and this and in order to gain influence and to get into, into the position that I needed. I used them for, I, I, they used me in a sexual way, but I used them in order to promote myself to where I could become the political opponent that I am today, and it's okay. Hello? That's a Jezebel spirit. Boy, I mean, it's getting tight in here right now. Lord, have I stirred up a devil. I'm telling you, it's wrong for a man to try to harass a woman sexually. 
But it's just as wrong for a woman to use a man sexually for purposes outside of marriage in order to fulfill her own agenda. Hey, ladies, if you want equal rights, get equal rights both ways. Can I have an amen? Boy, that is not going over very popular. How many knows that our own government right now is pushing bell worship even as I speak? There came out the three primary distinctions of bell worship. Child sacrifice, sexual immorality, and out of worship. Her goal in the Old Testament is to stomp out and kill the prophets of God just like she tried to kill Elijah. Her goal's not changed. Her our ultimate goal now is to not only stomp out the church and kill the believer, but to take over the world, world dominance. Jezebel is a very dangerous spirit. She's out to kill the prophets of God in order to replace them with false prophets. There's no refuge outside of Jezebel. There's nowhere to hide. If you're a believer, you're targeted, and her goal is to see you completely destroyed and annihilated in your belief. Just like in the days of Israel, the evil Jezebel spirit will insist today of trying to influence the church just to tolerate her. Just put up with her. Don't stand against her. Don't yell out against her and everything will be okay. You cow down and if you don't stand up against her, she's going to end up coming in, mingling and mixing them before long. She'll have your head cut off. You're going to be replaced and bell worship's going to take over. Can I have an amen? Let me just get out here and preach to you. We're living in a day that we cannot tolerate the spirit of Jezebel. Even if we go under spiritual attack. We can't be a coward. Are you going to be an Elijah? Are you going to be Ahab? Come on, somebody. You're going to be a man of God with courage? You're going to let some impact spirit, or you be a impact Christian where some spirit comes along and deceives you and seduces you and uses you like a worn-out lag the way Jezebel used Ahab? Yeah, I want to tell you what happened. Right now, our president's fighting one of the greatest wars that he's ever fought. I don't agree with everything our president's doing. Don't agree with everything that he says, but the things that he does do that's right, I applaud him, I praise him, and I'll get behind the pulpit and I will say, praise President Trump for what he's doing that's right. There's a global, a global thing that President Obama put into practice that was disguised under the heading that we're going to go feed the poor and help the poverty in different nations. But all it was when they got there and it was disclosed was free abortion at the taxpayer's money to the world. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands in different countries would come and abort their babies and human sacrifice was spread throughout the world by a president signing something into a global blah, 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 blah. Just the other day, President Trump with a signature wiped it away. I got two more hours preaching on this Jezebel. I mean, there's a lot there, guys. You know what else is happening? President Trump right now is trying to defund Planned Parenthood, the biggest abortion clinic in the world. Hello? He's trying to defund it. Amen for him. It's all about health and care. No, it's not disguise. It's about child sacrifice. I'm going to ask you, where are you going to stand in these last days? Are you going to be a true Christian or are you going to let the power of sexuality? Come on, men, be men. Quit sleeping around with women. If they're good enough to sleep with, they're good enough to marry. And women, quit being so promiscuous. Quit being a Jezebel. Quit being a harlot. Quit being a prostitute, for heaven's sakes. Hello? Quit trying to get what you want through your charm and your seductive powers and through your manipulation. You're nothing but being used by a spirit of Jezebel of our land. This spirit's very much alive and real. It's very much powerful. Would you stand with me this morning? I have a lot to preach, but I just feel like I need to come to a close.
saying, well, I don't know if I want to go up against that spirit. I want to tell you in the dream, it was a fearful thing. There is such an authority, there's such a power, there's such a seduction, it's real. Men feel it, women feel it. It manipulates, it lies. You don't know the word of God, you don't even know how to combat her. She's in all kinds of little segments through the church, not in person, but in spirit, seducing people to be brought under her influence so they can be the representative of her sitting right in the middle of a church. You say, how can we combat such a force? What happens if the government comes in and says, preacher, if you keep on preaching like that, we're gonna lock you up, then I'm gonna preach from a prison cell. But you're gonna lose your family, you're gonna lose, I don't care, I'm not gonna lose anything. I either trust God or I don't trust God. You know how many criticisms I'm gonna get on the internet with this sermon? Do you know how many targets I'm gonna get on my back just for speaking up like this? Do you know what kind of fights I have to fight just because I'm a man that'll stand up here and tell you the truth of what I gotta go through physically, spiritually, mentally, and emotionally? Everybody says, well, it ain't worth it. Let's just tolerate her. If I tolerate her, she'll come in and mix and mingle to the point that she'll overcome and she'll have my head anyway. So if she's gonna have my head, I might as well fight back. I'm not gonna lay down and play like it's over before it's over. I'm gonna fight to the bitter end. I got news for her. That old man Jehu's a crazy man. Wild man. He reminds me a lot of Donald Trump. One of the most rough, rugged, you know, you never know what's gonna come out of that man's mouth. You never know, everything, everybody says, oh, don't do that, that's not politically correct, you just committed suicide, it always turns out to his favor. I don't understand it. Ruthless, a fighter. Can I have an amen? And here's old Jehu, and he goes up there, and she tries to seduce him. Hey, little lady. Ain't gonna work with me. Throws her out of a window. Boom, she's threw out of a window. Bam, she hits the thing. And before they could even give her a proper bearer, the dogs had come and ate her and the only thing left was her skull, her hands, and her feet. And you know what that was a symbol of? A Canaanite deity. Because the priestess, or the priestess, the goddesses, wore around their waist skulls of hands in the worship of their God. They wore a necklace of head bones in order as a sacrifice unto their God and the feet was representing the mobility of their power to spread their out of worship and here's what God was saying to Baal hey the head's lost its power the feet's lost its power the hands has lost its power there's no more authority in Jezebel I have exposed her I have destroyed her I am Yahweh I am the God of Israel and if God is to be the God of the palace of praise we just can't go around giving, loving being patient, doing all the right things, but yet still tolerating the spirit of Jezebel. We have to put an ax to it. Can I have an amen? And when we do, God judges the spirit of Jezebel on our behalf. Hallelujah. If we'll stand up for God, God will stand up for us. Don't be fearful, church. Right now, there's still a war going on. A few years back, in one of the southern states, it was in a city, it was in um, uh, Texas, where a mayor put an order out to receive all of the messages of pastors that preached against homosexuality. She wanted them in written form placed on her desk so that she could look at them and see if she could go after them for a hate crime. Oh, I wish she'd asked for mine. Why she couldn't read head or tales about them notes. 
She said, what kind of a land does that man come from? I'd like to talk to her. But you know why she done it? Because she's a lesbian. She's under the influence of a Jezebel spirit. You said, oh, you're opening up in a can of worms. <laughs> Sexual immorality, perversion. Hello? When are we going to call it for what it is? When's the church going to have enough guts to say, that's wrong? I love them. I'm not out shooting them. I'm not out, I'm not out persecuting them. I'm not out, I'm not out burning their houses down. I'm not out treating them any different. Hello? But I can got a right to say what they're doing is biblically wrong. When are we going to stand up and be bold enough to say that? When they rub it in your face. Tolerate this. Tolerate this. Okay, I'll, I see it. But I'll have to tolerate it. I can tell you what I feel. I can do it in love and I'm going to love you and pray for you. And I don't have to fight you. I don't have to oppose you in, the, in that sense of the word. It ain't a flesh and blood fight. I'm just telling you I disagree with you. And yet they can't handle that. But yet they want me to say I have to agree with them and if I don't, I don't like them, I hate them. The only reason that I got any love expressed at all is when I say, hey, I'm standing against you. That's true love. I'm gonna ask you this morning. How many of you, by admission, by confession, We'll stand with your pastor today. If I'm bold enough to preach it, are you bold enough to stand with me in it? Will you be my support group? If you will, I want you by bodily making a profession of your faith that what I have preached you agree with. I want you to just come this way. Say, we're standing with you, pastor. You're really, you're really standing with me. When the chips are down, you're going to be with me. When the government comes in and tries to control your home and tell you what you can and cannot believe and what you can and cannot say and that isn't biblically, I mean, that isn't politically correct to say what you're saying. And if you keep saying it, we're going to put you in jail. Are you going to quit saying it? Over threats? Hey, but, hey, this is going to be the government that does this in a lot of places. What did the Lord say in Matthew chapter 24? Before the end time is over, they're going to bring bringing you before magistrates. They're going to be bringing you before kings. They're going to be bringing you through the governors. And they're going to pronounce judgment over you over laws that they have made that goes against your faith. That's a prophetic word by Jesus himself. Are you strong enough to... What happens when... What happens when these kinds of sins affect you at your home? What happens when your son comes home and says, I think I'm gay? What happens when your daughter comes home and says, well, I think I'm a lesbian? Do you stop loving her? No, absolutely not. For heaven's sakes, you don't quit loving her. You don't hate them. But you support her in it? No! Do you engage it? No! You just keep loving her and telling her the love of Jesus and being a good mother, being a good father, doing all that you know to do to try to literally show her the love of Jesus Christ to you, but you do not tolerate it by agreeing with it and succumbing to the play. That will destroy them. Don't engage them in it. Hello? I thank you for standing with me today. I don't know what it is, but I felt like that when we get rid of this series and we're, and we're really paying attention to those six spirits and we begin to really engage our faith against them and we begin to become the church that we're supposed to be, that this thing called manifested presence is not going to come down in the old-fashioned way that we've always seen it, where we run aisles and run the back of pews and we dance and we shout and we fall out and those kinds of things. There'll be some of that, but God will bless us. But where it's going to be seen is when we take the hand of somebody that's been seduced by those spirits and under the authority and the power of Jesus Christ, we bring them into a relationship with the Lord and they're saved and they see the glorious light and they feel the anointing from our lives and they see our witness and as a result of it, they become born again by the precious blood of Christ and they denounce their God and they come to serve Jesus Christ.
That is the end time thing called presence that we house the presence of God. We are the very temple of God. We have authority. We have power. And Jezebel, whether you know it or not, you're coming down. In the name of Jesus. It wouldn't surprise me to walk out that front door and see some hands and some feet and a skull laying at the door. In a spiritual sense. I hope I don't find that in a physical sense. I love you. Would you pray with me and let's make a prayer of dedication. And Hey, pray, pray that God protects you. Protect the church. Protect me. From the onslaught. Help us to understand we cannot tolerate. You're a friend to somebody. Love them, but don't tolerate their sin. Tell them the truth. For heaven's sakes, let's don't have the spirit of Jezebel in our midst. Father, right now, in the mighty name of Jesus, we dedicate our lives to the full purpose and intent of God's will in heaven to be performed in us on earth. That is our desire, God, that we become the blood-bought, born-again Christians that houses your very presence. And through your presence, we manifest the love, the grace, the mercy, the forgiveness, the compassion, the long-suffering of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. That we become light keepers, keepers of oil, keepers of the anointing. When we go out and we literally, Lord, transform our world. The power that Jezebel has through seduction, God, our power that you've given us is much greater through the anointing because it is the anointing that breaks the yoke and the power of sin. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Help us, Father, not to be people who just sit and tolerate things, but let us speak up. Let us stand up. Let us declare that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And let us preach against those forces that's taken over our children's lives and destroying them. God, I bind the spirit of Jezebel that would even come close to entering in this church. Like that church at Tithara. I do not want to be rebuked. I do not want to be brought to a place of judgment. Fine judgment of brass. Unless we repent. God, let us have true repentance here today. God, we ask you for forgiveness of any of the influence that we've caved into. We ask for forgiveness for the tolerance. For the weak faith. For the lack of voice for the lack of witness that we have had due to our being intimidated by the power of the seduction of that spirit. Forgive us, God, and help us to be your church that emphasizes your love and your grace and your power and your mercy to the lost world, I pray in Jesus' name. God bless you now. Turn around, look at someone and say, thank you for standing for the Lord with me this morning. If our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? 